All right. Can you guys hear me? All right. Wow, so much has already happened this morning. I feel like I can go home and feel like I saw the Lord. Come on, I have seen the Lord. Well, I uh, have, oh, actually, do you have the clicker? You have the clicker. There's the clicker. Gotta have the clicker. Well, we're so glad that you're here this morning, and um, I just feel like I have to do this. I don't have a whole lot of time this morning, but this word keeps really resonating with me. Is there somebody in the room this morning? You have to make a very important decision this week. Is there anybody in the room? Like there's a really important decision that you need to make. It's okay if you're not in the room. Right here? Okay. Yeah, right there. Okay, is it all right if I pray for you? All right, Jesus. Lord, we just thank you, God. Lord, I don't know what this decision is, but Lord, right now, we just thank you. We thank you for them, God. And I just, I feel like the Lord is going to give you guys wisdom this week as you approach this. And so, God, we're asking for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to be present, Lord. And Jesus, if this decision has anything to do with finances, Lord, I just ask you for abundant provision in Jesus' name. And Lord, we just bless this, Lord. And I just, I felt like one of the reasons the Lord highlighted this is because he wants you to know that he's got it. God's got it. No need to strive. Cease striving and know that I am God. I just feel like he says he's got it. So Lord, we just put it in your hands and we thank you that God's got it. God's got it. (laughs) So we just bless them. We just thank you, Jesus, for what you are going to do, for the testimony that's going to be released through this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you guys. All right. It's always fun when the prophetic is flowing. This is a prophetic house. Man, I love running around wireless. It's so much fun. I feel like I could run around the building right now. Well, hey, I want to I wanna just introduce myself. My name is Andrew Fish. Um, I'm the associate pastor moving into the senior pastor role, which, by the way, I just want to say Emily and I are really excited. And the Lord has amazing things in store for this house. And actually, I want to update us a little bit. How many, actually, I want to do this. How many of you were not here in January of this year? Like you were not here. Raise your hands high. Like you've, you came since January. Awesome. Can we clap for that? That's amazing. Come on. Yeah, the Lord's drawing people. And so convergence exists to encounter Jesus and transform cities with his power and his love. This is our vision statement. This is who we are. Everything that we do is encapsulated in this one statement. Our desire is that we encounter Jesus And out of that encounter, we transform cities with his power and his love. And earlier this year, we, back in January, for those that were here, we talked about vision. Vision 2022. Does anyone remember what the vision 2022 is? Build boldly. Okay, I hear rumblings, which means I need to talk about it. (laughs) So vision 22 was build boldly. Everyone say build boldly. All right, so I, this is what our vision was, and we presented several initiatives, and I'm going to talk about those because one thing that I really just have on my heart, anytime we talk about vision, is that the goal of vision isn't just, just to lay out this thing, and then we don't know what happened with the thing. 
Does everyone know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? Like you have this business, you're in this meeting, and we lay out this giant plan, and then you don't talk about it, and you're like, whatever happened to that meeting that we had at 3 o'clock? You know what I'm saying? So what I want to do this morning is I want to reapproach the vision and some of the initiatives because we have some exciting things going on. Exciting things. And I just want you to know this because it's important that you see that we're, you know, there's things that are happening up, that are a part of this Build Boldly vision. But first, I just want to briefly just go through this. So the name Convergence signifies that worshipers of Jesus are coming together as one, and it declares the merging. And I love this because you cannot have one without the other. It was there. The Spirit and the truth. The Spirit, it's, it's back here. Okay. The Spirit and the Word, the King with His bride, heaven with earth. So this is who we are as convergence, okay? I know you guys can't see this, but I'm going to read it to you, okay? <laughs> um, convergence is called to be out of the ordinary, to create earthquakes that shake up religion. How many want to shake up religion? How many want to just throw that thing to the ground? Come on, we don't need any religion. We don't need any works. We don't need any boxes. We need more of Jesus. All right, so build boldly means that we are establishing, constructing, and spiritually advancing by stepping into greater confidence, courage, and risk. How many want to step into greater confidence, courage, and risk? Come on. I believe that the Lord has that for us this year. That's what build, it, build boldly means. So what does that mean for us as a house? What does that mean for you? It means this year you need to look for opportunities to step into confidence. You need to look for opportunities to step out in courage. You need to look for opportunities, and this one's hard, risk. Because risk is not something we like to do immediately. We're like, whoa, hang on. Pull the brakes. And the Lord's like, no, you need to push the accelerator down further. You need to push the accelerator down further. Some of you, you actually don't need brakes right now. You need to cut the brake cord, and you need to just accelerate, because the Lord's got you. All right, so build boldly initiatives. Um, number one, we talked about developing new media content. I'm so thankful for our media team, and just for Holly, for Aaron, and even for what Gary really pioneered, and I'm just so, so thankful for that. And so we have a, a new initiative there, Worship in the City. How many have been to a Worship in the City? Come on. Impacting the neighborhood. We did this last week. We impacted the neighborhood by coming out here to Greenbrier, and I'm going to talk about that in a second. Uh, prophetic teams and training. Jason talked about that. Uh, marriage equipping. These are some of the initiatives that we talked about in January, and now I want to update you. So, number one, developing new media content. I'm excited to announce that we have a new podcast coming out called Convergence Conversations. It's going to drop Tuesday, June 7th, the first episode. And this is a podcast where we are just, we are our leadership. In fact, I, I get to have a discussion here in the next couple of weeks about the prophetic with Nikki. And my mom, that's going to be amazing. You need to listen to that one. Hey, there it is. And so I'm really excited about Convergence Conversations podcast. So that's a new media initiative that we have that's really exciting. Worship in the city, October 1st. Everyone 
mark that in your calendar. We are going downtown. We're taking it back downtown. We're actually, we're going to do a big thing. We're actually going to, I think it's, is it Main Street, Dad? Main Street. We're actually going to block off Main Street. Yeah. And we're actually going to have, like, we're going to have prophetic. We're going to have house of prayer going. We're going to have other churches involved. This is the biggest thing we've done yet. Because we're building boldly. We're not going to just say, hey, let's just do what we've always done. We're building boldly. So we're going to take over Main Street. Who's excited about taking over Main Street? Come on. That's amazing. All right, impacting the neighborhood. How many went to the kickoff party? Yeah, lots of hands. So we had this kickoff party right here at Greenbrier. And um, while there weren't as many neighbors as I would have liked to see, and I actually walked around and I was like, Lord, I'm a little discouraged. And then as we were kind of processing, even as a team, the Lord really spoke something really clearly, and he said, what you did was plant seeds. And listen, we need to be very careful about this, because it's not all about people showing up. Sometimes it's about being on the property. Sometimes it's about sowing a seed. Sometimes we don't see the fruit of what we did last week. We may not see the fruit, but the Lord is moving at Greenbrier. He's given us so much opportunities in fact, we actually were able to give them, through somebody here that, that, that donated headphones, we gave all of the teachers headphones. We, gave, we went and we supplied their teacher workroom with grapes and cookies. And the principal actually emailed us and was like, thank you so much. You guys can use our property whenever you want. Come on, that's favor. That's called sowing seeds. I, we may not see the fruit of that doing one party, but the more faithful we are to transform, to get out there, to go for it, to sow seeds, the more we are going to see the fruit. So we are impacting the neighborhood. This is part of our Build Boldly vision. Prophetic teams and training, June 15th. Come on, we have prophetic teams and training. I love what Nikki is doing and what she's pioneering in this area. This is amazing. And we're going to continue to lean into the prophetic. This is a prophetic house, and we're going to lean into that. All right, marriage equipping. Guess what? We are launching a new marriage equipping and discipleship class starting August 23rd called Re-Engage. Re-Engage. And I love this because it says whether your marriage needs to be reignited or is in need of complete resurrection, re-engage is a safe place for couples to, to reconnect. It's a safe place. All right, important dates. June 15th and August 17th, we have prophetic training. July 17th, Discover Convergence. If you're new here, I want you to be there. Discover Convergence, this is where you find out more about who we are, meet our team, get, catch the vision. July 31st, we have Celebration Sunday. We're going to celebrate. We do this every year. It's an amazing family gathering that we do. October 1st, worship in the city. And then I want you to mark your calendars for October 28th and 29th. We have our Convergence 2022 gathering. We did this last year. We celebrated 70 years as a church last year. And um, you need to be at this event and actually, we have Heidi Baker coming, and it's going to be um, outrageously amazing. So we're going to roll out registration for that starting in July. You need to register early because it is going to fill up. So we need to register early for that. 
All right, that was a lot. Is everybody good? I just feel like it's important that we bring us back to the vision. Bring us back to the vision of build boldly. And it's, I'm just so excited about what, what's, what's happening. There's so much momentum. Like all of these things that are happening are things that the Lord is doing through us leaning in to build boldly. All right. End of slideshow. All right, well, I'm going to dig in this morning. So if you have your Bible, which, by the way, you should have your Bible, turn with me to Luke 19. Luke 19. I know we've already done a lot this morning, so I just want to take the next 30 minutes, and I do feel like the Lord has given me a word this morning. So, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Jesus, that you would root it deep. Lord, we thank you, God, for what you're going to do even as we lean in. We thank you that it's not my words, but your words. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Luke 19. We're going to be looking here in verse 12. So this is the parable of money usage. And I'm going to go ahead and read it. So he said, a nobleman went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself, and then return. And he called ten of his slaves and gave them ten minas and said to them, do business with this until I come back. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned after receiving the kingdom, he ordered that these slaves to whom he had given the money, he called to him so that he might know what business they had done. The first appeared saying, master, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good slave, because you have been faithful in a very little thing. You are to be in authority over ten cities. The second came, saying, Your mina, master, has made five minas. And he said to him also, And you are to be over five cities. Another came, saying, Master, here is your mina, which I kept put away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you, because you are an exacting man. You take up what you did not lay down, and reap what you did not sow. He said to him, by your own words, I will judge you, you worthless slave. Did you know I, I, I am an exacting man? Taking up what I did not lay down, and reaping what I did not sow. Verse 23, then why did you not put my money in the bank? And having come, I would have collected it with interest. Then he said to the bystanders, take the mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. And they said to him, master, he has ten minas already. Verse 26, I tell you that to everyone who has, more shall be given. But from the one who does not have, even what he does not have shall be taken away. I love this story because this story talks about the concept that I'm wanting to present this morning, which is what does it look like to be a good steward? stewardship and stewardship's really important and this story talks about stewardship because he gives them all mina and then what they do with it actually matters right what they do with it matters and it actually mattered in the rewards that they receive and so he gave each one one mina and the first one turned one into ten the second one turned one into five, but the last one, he just had the one. 
He just had the one. And so the principle here is this. Everyone who has more shall be given, but from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. And so if you steward a little, the Lord will entrust you with more. Yes, we know this. This is a kingdom principle. If I steward the little that I have, the Lord will increase it. The Lord will bless with more. So what does steward mean? A steward manages something. So you, you manage something. You're, you're keeping watch over something. You're stewarding something. And all of us, every single person in this room, you are a steward. You're, you may be stewarding a business. You're for, you may be stewarding a family. You may be stewarding your marriage, relationships, your family, whatever that looks like. You're stewarding something. There's stewardship involved in your life. You're, you're managing something. You're governing. You're taking care of something. And so God entrusts things to us that we then have the privilege of stewarding. And so this morning, I'm going to give you four keys to stewardship. And the first key is this, and this one is foundational and it's extremely important. Stewardship starts by understanding that God created everything and owns everything. Now, I know this is like, whoa, Andrew, this is like Bible 101. Come on. God created the world. This is very foundational. This is foundational, but this is revolutionary. Because this one concept should bring so much freedom in your life. And if it doesn't, you don't understand it yet. Wait, I don't own anything God does? Why is that good news? Because I get to steward something, and he's the one that brings the increase. He's the one that brings it, and I just get to steward it, which is amazing news, because I don't have to strive to figure out how to get more. I steward what he's giving me. Oh, this is so important. Listen to these verses. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring a lot of scripture right now. Revelation 22.3, I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I love this. David in Psalms 24, 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and what? Everything in it. Everything. And all who live in it. Deuteronomy 10, 14 says, To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. Leviticus 25, 23. I know I'm blowing through scripture. The land must not be, permanent, be sold permanently. Listen to this. This is God talking. He says, the land is mine, and you are but aliens and my tenants. Think about that. Oh, the land, this is his. This very land that we are on, we are actually entrusted. What did Adam and Eve get? They were entrusted with stewardship. We are entrusted with stewarding everything that we see, but the reality that it's not mine matters. It matters that it's his because then we don't have to hold so tightly. Come on. Sometimes we're like, ah, I own this. And the Lord's like, well, hate to break it to you. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. Wait, but I own this. And listen, this is an important principle with stewardship. This doesn't allow me to be a good steward. This, you own it, allows me to see things 
from the perspective that God wants me to see things for this land, for this church, for my home, for my family. And then the stewardship principle sets in and the Lord says, I've entrusted this to you. Now let's do this together. Not me by myself, ownership, stewardship. You see the difference? It's massive. So listen, I love Judges 8. Judges 7 and 8, the story of Gideon is amazing. It's one of my favorites. And in Judges 8, 23, Gideon says to the men of, of Israel, this is what he says, I will not rule over you. Now at first you're like, well, pff, then who's going to rule over us? Nor shall my son rule over you. Who's going to rule? The Lord. Gideon, as a leader, understands the principle of stewardship right away. I'm not going to rule over you. My son's not going to rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. Come on, that's amazing. I was in this room before we did the round table where we were going to announce the transition. And I was just, I was right here. I was walking around right here. And I told the Lord something. I said this, Lord, if you give this to me, it will never be mine. It will always be yours. Never be mine. Never. Never. You're like, but aren't you, aren't you going to be a leader? No. Listen. You have, to, you have to be, you're as good of a leader as you are a follower. You are as good of a leader as you know how to follow. And if you think you're blazing your own trail, that's a problem. This will never be mine. It will always be his. Why? Because I don't want this to be mine. Because he's the one who builds the house. He's the one who provides. He's the one who blesses. He's the one who heals. He's the one who has authority. He's the one who shed his blood on the cross. It's him. And I want that to be so present and permeating in this atmosphere. And if that means I have to step back, so be it. God owns this place. Man, we're preaching this morning. Come on. I get the opportunity, and I'm super excited and thankful for this. We get the opportunity to steward what he's doing. So listen, I want to ask you a question this morning. What would change in your life if you looked at everything that you have as his and not yours? What would shift in the way that I pray for my wife? What would shift in the way that I pray for Emily? What would shift in the way that I pray for Adeline? What would shift in the way that I pray for my house? What would shift if I prayed from the standpoint of it's not mine, it's his? Oh, you know what would shift is I would stop worrying and I would start getting the word of the Lord. Come on, I would start getting the word of the Lord because listen, the tighter I hold, the more my prayers actually are just surface level. They're natural. It's, oh, I know I need this. And the Lord's like, no, you need to take five steps higher. You need to be praying for something that's higher. You need to be getting, like it says in 1 Corinthians, you need to be getting spiritual thoughts that lead to spiritual words. I don't want my thoughts to pray. I want his. So I step back and I say, 
I don't own anything. I steward. I am a steward. Oh, this is so freeing. Like, this is like emoji. Like, come on. The more we get this concept, I'm just going to tell you this right now. The more you get this concept, the more increase you will see in your life. The more you will begin to see things from his perspective, not yours. So I can entrust everything to God, and I can stop worrying and start stewarding from this place. Lord, it's all yours. Help me lead with you. Not not help me lead. Help me lead with you. Help me partner with you. Help me co-labor with what you're doing in Emily right now. Help me co-labor with what you're doing in my daughter Adeline right now. Help me partner with you, not in my own understanding, your understanding. So the owner says this. He says, well done, good slave. Since you have been faithful, what's faithful? Back it up. Flip it. Full of faith. Full of faith is this concept that it's not mine, it's yours. I'm full of faith. If I'm full of faith, there's not room for fear. Which leads me to my second key, okay? A good steward operates out of faith, not fear. What happened to the slave that hid? Right? He lost what he had. Why? Fear. And if we drilled even deeper, it was actually fear of man. He was afraid of the master. He let fear run the show. So a key to stewardship is this, obedience without worry or fear. A good steward isn't worried about what other people think. A good steward isn't fearful of running out. I love anytime you read, sometimes I like to read like business, business advice, and um, I have a business, and so I love business, and so sometimes I like to read about this, and anytime that you're reading about like investment advice, and obviously right now is one of those times where it's like, whoa, investing's a little weird right now, but listen, the advice that I read from people that have accrued a lot of resources in their life, like they have been blessed, do you, do you want to know what the advice is? The crazier things get, the more they lean in. Like when the market is like crashing, the people that are pulling out, it's like, oh no, but there's people that are pulling in because they understand stewardship. And they have this understanding of if I operate in faith, it means I lean in. Fear says, let's go. And I just learned this principle, like some of the wealthiest people that I know Their investment advice, I'm like, no, you should not do that. But they don't, they're not afraid. And so because they're not afraid of losing, they end up investing in moments that everyone pulls out. And because of that, there's increase that they see because they operated out of faith, not fear. Now, I'm not giving investment advice this morning, so please put that disclaimer on Twitter, whatever we're doing. I am not giving you investment advice, but what I'm saying is this. The slave that hid the talent wasn't a good steward because he operated out of fear. 
Listen, you have to be more concerned about being obedient to what God says than about what other people think. This is what it means to walk in the fear of the Lord. We hear this statement all the time, the fear of the Lord, the reverence of the Lord. What does that mean? It means I have such a reverence for God that I literally say I actually cannot be disobedient to what he says because I have the fear of the Lord. Obedience. I must follow his voice. Listen to this. Listen to what fear says. Fear says don't lose. What does don't lose mean? It means hide. It means stay. As long as I'm like this, I can't lose. Faith through obedience says, if the Lord said it, you actually can't lose. I think sometimes the reason we get afraid is because we don't understand how in the world God could use little me to do something. And the Lord's like, well, you don't understand stewardship. You don't understand what I can do with you. I can use you to move mountains. Oh, come on. God uses Davids to defeat Goliaths. On paper, that looks like bad stewardship to let David go out there against Goliath. He even tried on Saul's armor. It didn't fit. They were like, no, you can't go out there like that with a couple of like five stones and a sling. It looks like bad stewardship. Why? David had a word of the Lord. And when you have a word of the Lord, it doesn't matter if you try on Saul's armor. You need to operate out of who God created you to be, who you are. And so then David is entrusted with the word of the Lord. He operates out of faith, not fear. He kills a giant, and Israel is saved, all because of this shepherd boy with five stones and a sling. God uses David's to defeat Goliath. We don't have to try to be this big thing. No, God wants to use you to defeat Goliath. So whatever the mountain is in your life, whatever the Goliath is that you are facing, the word of the Lord pierces, and if you align yourself with his word, then he provides the answer. He provides the solution. He defeats Goliath. Like, we need to ask ourselves, do we honestly believe that God can provide the resources for the word that he's given me? Do I honestly believe that? So we have to participate with the Lord. Key number three, good stewards operate out of the spirit of wisdom, not earthly wisdom. The spirit of wisdom. Deuteronomy 34, 9. This is Joshua. This is at the end of Moses' life. Joshua, the son of Nun, it says, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him and the sons of Israel listened to him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. It says that the spirit of wisdom rested on him. And then what did, what, what did that, what was the outcome of that? All of Israel listened to him. Not because Joshua had earthly wisdom, but because he had the spirit of wisdom. And there's a big difference between earthly wisdom and the spirit of wisdom. 
But you need to see how easy it is to step into earthly wisdom because earthly wisdom will always choose the safest bet most of the time. I saw this a lot like with everything that's been going on, all the shaking in the political arena, everything, culture, like all this stuff, the people that you see rising are the people that are operating out of a spirit of wisdom, not earthly wisdom. The Israelites followed Joshua not because he knew what to do based on his own knowledge, but because the spirit of wisdom. So listen, earthly wisdom, what would earthly wisdom have said in this passage? right? The servants, the slaves. Earthly wisdom says, yeah, hide it. Hide it so you still have it, right? You have one, you don't want to lose one, hide it. I, I might have done this. Just hide it. Earthly wisdom could have dictated that by hiding the talent, the servant was doing the safest thing to make sure he was able to pay it back to the master just seems like common sense right let's just hang on to the one so we can give him back the one so earthly wisdom oftentimes will suggest that you hide or withhold earthly wisdom says don't give too much because you may not have anything left earthly wisdom often says whoa hang on that's too big you can't do that it's too big that's too much that's too dangerous That's too much to handle. Whoa, hold your horses. That's too crazy. Right? This is what earthly wisdom says. How many times have I approached a decision with earthly wisdom and my first response is, wow, that's way too big. Like, we can't do that. Like, I can't give that much money. I can't do this. I can't do that. And the Lord's like, stop operating out of your own understanding. Stop operating out of earthly wisdom and ask the Lord what the spirit of wisdom says. Now, here's the thing. The spirit of wisdom might offend you. The spirit of wisdom might ask you to do something that you don't want to do. But it's what God wants to do. And I'm just telling you, when you steward that, when you entrust that to him, it will open doors that you cannot open. Heavenly wisdom or the spirit of wisdom dictated that in order to receive more, I must sow it or invest it. So the other servants were willing to risk losing everything to get more. Like, have you ever done something to partner with the Lord that if anyone else saw you doing it, right, they'd think, oh my goodness, that guy is crazy. Crazy. One time, Emily and I spent our first year of marriage in Nashville, Tennessee, which is an awesome city. I love it. And... I had applied for a job to work at the Gideons International, which I love the Gideons, by the way. What the Lord has done through evangelism through the Gideons is amazing. And I I had applied to work there as an administrative assistant, had already gone through some interviews, and I was like, Lord, I, I want this job. And all of a sudden, the Lord gave me this crazy idea. What if, Andrew... You drove your car over to the Gideon's building on a Saturday and you just began to make declarations in the parking lot in your car. I was like, this is kind of a wild idea. 
I don't really know that I want anybody seeing this. Like, are, is there security there? Like, what if someone else is there? What if, what if my manager's there that I just interviewed with? And he sees me just going at it in my car, you know? <laughs> it's like, what is this guy? What's going on? And so I drive into the parking lot. And the Lord says, I want you to play Lover of Your Presence, which we played this morning. I'm a lover of your presence. And so I have this thing cranking on my stereo. And I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm sure if you looked through the window, you'd have been like, wow, what is this guy? I mean, I'm banging on the steering wheel. I'm like, in the name of Jesus, I declare this job is mine. And I'm just starting to declare things. I said, Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do through me as I work here. I thank you for what you are going to release over the Gideons as I work here. I thank you that this is an opportunity that you have for me. And I'm just making these declarations in the middle of the parking lot, in my car, blaring, I'm a lover of your presence. Earthly wisdom says that's wild. Why would you ever do that? The spirit of wisdom says it's time to take ground. Oh, come on. Some of you, you need to drive into a parking lot and you need to start making a declaration that this land is mine. This is it. We're not, this is not a claim it and name it thing. This is not some magic thing. This is partnering with the word of the Lord over your life. What's the word of the Lord that the Lord has for you right now? Some of you, maybe you need to drive somewhere. You need to do something kind of wild. You need to stretch yourself. You need to take a step into the deep end. And you need to watch what the Lord does, even though it looks foolish. Can you imagine how foolish David looked dancing before the Lord? His wife told him. <laughs> Why did he do it? Because he was so overcome by the Lord. The presence of the Lord so overcame him that he didn't care. Are you so overcome with the presence of the Lord that you stop caring about what people think? Are we going to stop caring and start stepping in? All right, key number four. I got to run. I'm running out of time. Good stewards, write this down. Good stewards think beyond themselves. I love this one because this is part of what this house has been stepping into is we're not just thinking about ourselves, we're thinking generationally. We're thinking about inheritance. We're thinking about legacy. 2 Samuel 7. This is when, verse 12 through 13, this is the covenant that God made with David. So David has one desire in 2 Samuel 7, and it's to build a house for the Lord. He, he tells him, he says, God, this is my desire. I want to build a house for you. That's amazing. And then when you look further down, it looks like God, God kind of gives David a, somewhat of a rebuke, but a not rebuke. And God actually tells David, he says, you will not get to build the temple. I don't know about you, I'd be pretty deflated. What? This is my heart's desire. But your descendant Solomon will. David in 2 Samuel 7 had a choice to make. As a steward, 
of what the Lord has given me? Am I going to be so concerned with myself and my desire that I'm not going to steward for the next generation? Oh, think about this. I want to build a house for the Lord. And then he's like, no, you're not going to, but your son will. But this is what I've built. This is what my desire has been. I want you to steward so that your son can step into this. That's powerful. So how does this shift David's mindset? First Chronicles 22, verse 5. I'm going to read it. David said, My son Solomon is young and inexperienced, and the house that is to be built for the Lord shall be exceedingly magnificent, famous and glorious throughout all the lands. Listen to this. Therefore now I will make preparation for it. So David made ample preparations before his death. So David partnered. He participated with the word of the Lord. David poured every ounce of the remaining time in his life towards something he would never see. Oh, I can feel the Holy Spirit on this. First Chronicles 22, I want you to listen to what David prepared for Solomon. Listen to this. Now behold, with great pains, this is verse 14, I have prepared for the house of the Lord a hundred thousand talents of gold. A million talents of silver and bronze, iron beyond measure, for they are in great quality. I have also prepared timber and stone, and you may add to that. So David spends the rest of his life stewarding a word of the Lord that wasn't for him, but for his son. So as a good steward, we have to see something. And that is that we can't be so concerned about ourselves that we don't realize I have the opportunity right now at 32 years old to steward something for my daughter Adeline. And there's actually a high possibility that the deepest desire of my heart, I may not see it to the fullest extent that, that she will. And so the, heart, the desire in my heart, the Lord's like, I want you to build something now that you may not see the full fruit from, but she will. She will see the fruit of what I'm trying to build now. She will see the fruit of what I'm stewarding now. So good stewards think beyond themselves like we think generationally. So you can ask this question, how can I? Step into the word of the Lord over my life to such a degree that it prepares a place for my family. Good stewards don't just think about themselves, they think generationally. David had to switch his mindset, he had to think generationally. He had to think, okay, I'm literally going to pour the rest of my resources into building something that I'm never going to build. Moses, when he prayed for Joshua, was praying over Joshua, and the Lord told him that he would only get to see the land because of his disobedience. But he still chooses to lay his hands on Joshua, who is succeeding him, and pray for the spirit of wisdom, even though he could have been like, no, I'm not going to get to see the fruit of that, so I'm out. I'm just going to cut out. He stepped in generationally and he said, no, I'm going to pray for the spirit of wisdom over Joshua so that he can step into the fullness of what I have been preparing for but will not get to see. 
All right, don't worry. I'm landing. The plane is landing. So, keys to stewardship. Stewardship starts by understanding that God created everything and owns everything. Thank you, Jesus. Good steward, a good steward operates out of faith, not fear. Listen, in our culture, we have to get rid of fear. Because if fear leads you, it's going to continue, it's going to walk you down a path of destruction. We have, to, we have to lean into faith. What do you have the faith for right now? Are you going to be afraid of, of, of standing up or are you going to operate in faith? I said this at the round table and I'm going to say it now. As a church, we have to get louder. We have to get louder. The voice in this room has to get louder so that you hear it out there. Because if it stays in here, what's the point? Come on, we got to get out there. We got to get louder, and we got to get louder, not in the sense of, of words, but louder in faith. Your faith should lead you by faith. I want to get so loud that they're like, what in the world is that 32-year-old pastor at Convergence Church doing? Why in the world is he talking about these topics that are difficult to talk about? These topics don't belong in church. Yes, they do. We're going to get louder. And we're going to start talking about things that people don't want to talk about because they're like, the church shouldn't be involved in that. Yes, we should. It's time to get louder. But it's not a loud that we're a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal like it says in 1 Corinthians 13. It's louder because we're leading. We're shaping culture. We're influencing culture. We're going after something. We're protecting the rights of our kids. We're going after things. And we have to do it. We cannot, like it says in Esther, you cannot be silent. Because if you are silent, deliverance will come from another place. I don't want it to come from another place. I don't want God to go, oh, okay, looks like we're going to have to do something else over here. No, use us. Yes. Use me. That I would be an Esther that would say, I refuse to be silent. Oh, this isn't even part of my message right now. Come on. We have to get louder. We cannot shrink back on the sidelines and pretend like everything's going to be okay. It's time to allow the Holy Spirit within us. We are a resting place for the Lord. What does that mean? It means I don't have to look far to know where he is. I am a resting place. Therefore, I allow the resting place of the Lord to shoo. And all of a sudden, culture has changed. Why? Because the resting place comes out. The holiness comes out. The glory, the worthiness of God, the love of God, the power of God comes flooding out of my life. Because I'm stewarding what David said in Psalm 132, which is, I will not sleep or I will not slumber until I find a resting place for the Lord. And David was making that declaration not knowing even what would happen when Jesus came, when the Holy Spirit would come. If he could have seen that, it would have been like, he would have been like, what? You mean the resting place is here? Yes. That was a good tangent. I'm just telling you. It's time, church. Come on. It's time. It's time to start talking Ah, it's time to start talking about impacting culture and start doing it. There's a big difference. We can talk, 
we can preach the paint off the walls in this building and still not see change. And I don't desire to do that. I love preaching, and I'm doing it right now. But I can preach till Jesus comes, and we cannot just stay in here and listen to good teaching. We have to get out there and see change. We have to do something. You have to partner with the word of the Lord over your life and go after it. Steward it. All right. I got to land. Listen to this. Good stewardship always involves a cost. So key number one, understanding that God created everything and owns everything. So what's the cost? Giving up control. Sometimes that's pretty costly. It's so much fun sometimes to have control, right? Mm, I get to control the situation. And the Lord's like, no, give it up. Give up control. Let me lead. Keys number two and three. A good steward operates out of faith, not fear. Good steward operates out of a spirit of wisdom and not earthly. So what's the cost? Reputation. Ouch. I don't care what, what, what people think of me. If I care what people think of me, I'm not going to steward well. I have, to, I have to not care about my reputation. And key number four, what's the cost for good stewards think beyond themselves? You have to be okay if you don't see the fruit. You have to be okay if you're sowing seeds. My granddad always said, I, I've, I've talked to so many people about the Lord, and sometimes I don't, like, I don't always get to lead them through a prayer or talk about a prayer. And uh, my granddad always said, he said, sometimes it may take seven seeds before you see something happen. It might take seven times of talking to someone about the Lord before they actually receive the Lord and their heart is ready. So the question is, as a good steward, am I willing to be seed number one? Am I willing to be seed number two? No, they didn't pray, but I sowed a seed. Are you willing to be okay if you don't see the fruit, but you've got to keep sowing? Keep sowing. All right, let's stand. (laughs) Fear leads to less. Because operating, listen to this, operating within the enemy's playbook will never produce favor like stewarding the word of the Lord will. So how do I apply this to my life? Right? What's the application? The application is this. You need to apply it to every area of your life. You need to apply it to the prophetic words over your life. You need to apply it to the finances in your life. You need to apply it to the the relationships in your life. You need to apply it to your job or your business. And you need to ask the Lord for the spirit of wisdom and the fear of the Lord to steward well what he has entrusted to you and what he desires to entrust to you. What is on the other end of our obedience as good stewards of what the Lord is saying to us? What doors might open if we stop operating out of fear? What doors 
might open if we start operating from the spirit of wisdom, from the voice of the Lord? What doors might open if we start thinking generationally? What doors might open if we understand that God, you created everything. I'm just stewarding on this earth what you've given me. And so because of that, I get the opportunity and the privilege to steward well what you've given. So Lord, this morning, I'm asking that you would help us to steward well. Lord, we, our desire is that we would be good stewards. Our desire, like like the slaves that invested, Lord, is to, is to invest, Lord, to step out in faith, not fear. And so, Lord, would you reveal things right now this morning, things that we are holding on too tightly to? Things that we're like, I can't do that because I might lose it. And the Lord's like, no, I want you to do it and watch what I'm going to do. Watch me. Watch me. Watch what I'm going to do in your life. Watch the doors I'm going to open. So Lord, we just thank you, God. We ask you this morning, Lord, that you would make us good stewards, God. And Lord, we just say as a church, as a church, we will operate in faith, not fear. We don't care what the world says. We don't care what the numbers in our bank account say because you have a better report. You have a different report. You have a heavenly report. And my desire is that I would step into the word of the Lord over my life. The word of the Lord over this church, over this body, over every family, over every individual represented in the room. We step in to what you're saying. We step in. We step in. Come on, this morning, just say, I step in. I step in. I step into stewardship, Lord. Thank you for entrusting this to me. Help me steward it well. And Lord, this morning, Lord, we just also say, Jesus, we desire to be a church that impacts culture. Would you help us to get louder with you? Would you help us to run with faith that we would run and not grow weary? Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing in this house. We bless, we bless what you're doing. We speak words of blessing. We speak words of favor, God. We thank you for the favor of the Lord. We thank you, Jesus, for what you have entrusted to us. May we steward it well, God.